Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. Monday, July 26th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. And a ton to get into in this episode. What a calendar week it's been. It's almost dizzying. We expected this offseason to be busy this last week as the offseason really kind of got underway. Has been incredibly busy. Think about this for a second. We're going to get to Bill Meltzer coming up, and we're going to get to a conversation I was able to have with the newest flyer, Cam Atkinson. But here is is who is no longer here. Nolan Patrick, Phil Myers, Carson Torinsky, Shane Gostisbehere, Robert Haig, and Jake Voracek. Here's who's in. Ryan Ellis, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Cam Atkinson. To say that significant change has taken place already would be an understatement, as we are now just 80 days away from the 2021-22 season beginning October 15th. And there's still probably more to come. We still haven't seen the Flyers bug, the backup goalie, backup goalie or tandem goaltender. We'll talk about that in this episode. We still haven't seen if they grab a depth defenseman or if they grab uh, a bottom six forward. There's could be more still to change here. But Chuck Fletcher has been a very busy man and has navigated this offseason, I think, uh, incredibly well with what he has wanted to accomplish. And I think the thing that's most impressive to me about this offseason from Chuck Fletcher is the way that he has articulated his position. Uh, he, he said it just the other day. We've ju- we just can't keep bringing back the same players year after year and expect different results. We had to make changes this year. The players that we've added all are all what I would call high-energy competitive people. How often have we talked about our slow starts over the past two, three years since I've been here, and allegedly a lot longer than that? We need some juice. We need some energy. We need to change the mood in the room and the energy in the room. And he went on. And, you know, general managers in sports rarely say what they really feel. And you get a lot of coach speak or GM speak, whatever you want to call it. When Chuck Fletcher said what happened this past year was unacceptable, we didn't find that hard to believe. We all thought it was unacceptable as well. But you can say it's unacceptable, but your actions ultimately determined if it's truly unacceptable. And Chuck Fletcher's actions have proven that what took place this year by his actions is unacceptable. And that much we cannot debate. One of the big moves this weekend, not only just for the Flyers, but around the NHL, as I was beginning my radio show on Saturday, boom, Jake Voracek traded straight up a hockey one-for-one trade to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Cam Atkinson. And very soon thereafter, thanks to the magic of Flyers PR, I had a chance to catch up with Cam Atkinson. And you'll hear that right here on this episode of Flyers Daily. Cam, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm super excited about this. You know, a lot of times when you get traded, it's kind of a spin cycle of emotion. Uh, when you found out about the deal, what kind of the first things that went through your head? Honestly, it's, uh, it, uh, you know, it caught me off guard. Um, but then, you know, looking at the uh, Flyers organization and everything that Chuck Fletcher's doing and the, the veteran guys that he's bringing in and, you know, this is a team that wants to win now, and um, you know I think I'm going to fit in uh, perfectly with the organization and with the guys on the team. A couple guys I already know, so um, I, I can't wait to get going. Have you heard from any of the guys that you know that uh, are with the team? Yeah, I'm good friends with Hazy, uh, so he's uh, of course <laughs> on the golf course right now. But um, yeah. you know, JVR reached out, uh, Giroux reached out, a couple other guys, and I'm best friends with Scotty Hartnell, who lives in Haddonfield. So. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I'm it's I've mixed emotions, but couldn't be more excited to join the organization. Yeah, you spent you spent your entire career in Columbus, and and you've had some really really good seasons, Cam. You had 41 goals back in 2018-19. Where do you feel like your game is right now? Honestly, um, you know, I this this brings me new life and new energy, and um, I train very hard in the summer, and um, you know, playing with good players always helps, and there's a lot of really good players. In, and, and Philly, and I'm going to fit in just well in, in any role that they want me to, whether it's power play, especially penalty kill. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it, it gets me excited just talking about it because 
I know the, the like I said, the moves that they're making and uh, bringing in some veteran leaders, you know, uh, an organization and fans that are just top notch and unbelievable and and want to win just as much as we do. And um, I couldn't be excited, couldn't be more excited to join this the Flyers organization. What's your recollection of being an opponent playing in Philadelphia now and being a guy that's going to walk out of that tunnel with the, with the home team colors on? No, it's uh, actually I, I believe I I think I scored a hat trick in Philly one year. Um, and so just hearing the booze, um, you know, it, it would always be, uh, holy crap, we're going to Philly to play. And, uh, you know, their fans are always there pre-gaming and, and, and during warm-ups. And uh, I know better than anyone, when they're winning and they're scoring goals, uh, the, the crowd is probably the most electric in any building. So uh, looking forward to, to them cheering us on and uh, not so much the booze, but uh, I'm ready for it all. What, what um, in your availability? And I don't know if you're still wearing it or not, but you had a gritty shirt on. Where did it, that, and that gritty shirt that, that, that didn't just come in the mail because it looked well broken in, can? <laughs> no, you know what? Um, like I said, Hartsy, uh, my our family's our best friends. Best friends with Scott. My wife Matt is best friends with Katie, and our kids are the same age. And we were That's actually great. spending a couple weeks a couple weeks at their house last summer. And my wife loves gritty. Uh, we couldn't leave the house without a gritty T-shirt. And uh, so I said, you know, let's whip it out. I'm a flyer now. And we've never seen Gritty and Scott in the same room. <laughs> I thought they were the same person, to be honest. <laughs> uh, how much does that mean for, for you as a player? You know, you spend your whole career in Columbus. It looks like they're going to go through, obviously, a rebuild to come to this situation where it's, it's certainly looking like win now. And you also knowing some of the players, like you mentioned Hazy, who's got a bigger personality than any room can fit. And, you know, the, the comfortability with, with Scott Hartnell, who you played with in Columbus, and having that familiarity of close friendships coming to a new situation. I imagine that that's comforting in a lot of ways for you and your family. Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, for me, family is most important. And, um, you know, I went to school. I went to BC with Kevin Hayes. I was uh, the same year as his older brother, Jimmy. And uh, I played with JVR in the past and, you know, uh, even when Hartsey was playing in Columbus, he had nothing but unbelievable things to say about just the city, you know, and the way of life and the fans and um, living and even the guys on the team that are still there. So um, I, I'm super excited. And, and just knowing that those guys have my back and I've already reached out really makes a, a big difference. Yeah, no doubt about it. Last thing for you, Cam, um, coming to Philadelphia and, and playing for the Flyers in this situation, uh, and dealing with Chuck Fletcher, have you heard anything about what your role could be here or are those conversations that something will happen down the line when you get to, you know, really kind of sit down with Elaine Vigneault and the coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they know my style. And I, I talked to Chuck uh, about an hour ago and, um, you know, nothing nothing crazy about what role he wants me to play other than, you know, the how the PK has taken a little step, uh, a step backwards um, and just bringing my – uh, you know, my grit and my tenacity and energy to the P- PK especially and my anticipation, I think that's going to really help uh, the team. So, like I told Fletcher and, and all the other guys, whatever role they want me to play, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Well, can't, a lot of people don't look at goal scorers, and you're, you're a guy who's shoot first, ask questions later, and you scored a lot of goals in this league, 213 to be exact. Um, aren't known as penalty killers, but that's a character thing, isn't it? That's a, that's a will uh, part of your game where you got to have a lot of will to go along with skill to, to really be effective there. Yeah, I mean, I take a lot of pride in, uh, in any role that I'm put in, but especially PK, I think I've learned that as I've gotten older that it's hard to win in this league, and selfishly you're going to have to do things that uh, you know get you out of your comfort zone to win games, and I love being out there in every situation, whether we're up by a goal or down by a goal. Um, but especially on the PK, I take a lot of pride in that. Um, you know, it's uh, hopefully I can help out that way as much as I can. Well, that says a lot about you as a player. Uh, Cam, thanks for doing it. I know today's your son's birthday, so happy birthday to yeah. your son. How old yeah, is he today? Thank you. I appreciate it. Declan is three years old. He is three. So we're going to have to get him some Flyers gear ASAP and, and celebrate well, in style. Well, it sounds like he's going to be gritty for Halloween if, uh, if Hartsey has anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, uh, and we got to get him on skates out here too. We're trying to develop a good, uh, more good, great youth hockey and good bloodline. Good. So, uh, Cam, yeah. thanks for doing this. I love your excitement. Um, we're thrilled to have you here in Philadelphia. Uh, enjoy the rest of the off season. I know it'll be hectic with you know planning, move, and all that stuff with the family. But thanks for taking the time today, and congratulations. All right, man. I appreciate you having me. Thanks to Cam Atkinson for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. 
Bill uh, Meltzer joins us right now from HockeyBuzz.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and NHL.com. We're going to get some Ask Billy questions, but let's get to some other stuff before we get there. First of all, Bill, Cam Atkinson, uh, both in his media availability and when I had a chance to catch up with him on my radio show soon thereafter on Saturday, sounded like a really excited guy to be coming to Philadelphia. It did. And, um, you know, what you see is what you get with Cam Atkinson. I mean, he's a, just a real personable, upbeat kind of guy. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, I think that Flyers fans kind of got a taste of what they, they can expect from him uh, off the ice. Um, he doesn't deviate very much. He's, he's they said he's very positive kind of guy. So, um, yeah. And I mean, Columbus is in a situation where they're rebuilding a little bit. Flyers have, have added pieces and he knows quite a few players here. You know, he, for example, he played with Kevin Hayes at uh, Boston College for a year. You know, those other people here. So, it, it, I mean, he, he was psyched. He, he, he saw the fit right away and he, you know, should expects to fit in very well, very quickly. And I think that's probably what's going to be. You know the one thing about him, Bill, um, and I love, and he's he's best friends with, and, and his wife and Scott Hartnell's wife are best friends. They played yeah. together in Columbus, and they're he's coming here very comfortable already with some familiar faces. And I asked him about. It. I mean, I think that's important that that helps a guy transition, especially when he's been in one place for his entire career. But from a hockey standpoint, there's something really interesting about Cam Atkinson to me, and it's this: it's that yeah, he's a goal scorer. And he, he scored 40-plus in this league. He scored 41 a couple years ago. He scored 35 a couple years ago as well in full seasons. And while that's great and the Flyers need that element, and he's a guy that on a two-on-one will fire it, and he can, he's got a shooter's touch. But he's also got something else, and he's got the ability to kill penalties. Yes. And he, scored, he had five shorthanded goals this year. The Flyers had none. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that is the element that he's bringing. And to me, that's a character element because we've talked about you can have all the skill, but if you have no will, and penalty killing is will, and he's got it in buckets. Yeah, and, and, and it's two different aspects of penalty killing. You know, sometimes teams will use their best offensive players on the PK. It, it's almost, uh, you know, it's almost it's not, you're not necessarily looking for a shorthanded goal, but you're aggressively – darting in the lanes and looking to counterattack. Now, if you dart in the lane and the pass gets, gets by you, you know, uh, you're in trouble. Um, you're extra Atkinson, short. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Atkinson, you know, he'll help clear pucks. He'll still play the right way. It's not like he's cheating. You know, that's the biggest thing. And in, in terms of the, the shorthanded goal side, it wasn't just this past season. If you go back, I think it's the last five or I think it's maybe six years, he's actually tied with Ajo and, and Marshawn for the NHL lead in shorthanded goals over that time period. So you got a guy who can score, can also kill penalties. So that checks uh, – it really, it really checks two boxes. Yeah, power play as well. And yeah. the, the other thing, too, if you can get Kevin Hayes back to year one Kevin Hayes on the PK and his ability to – he cheats a little bit from time yeah. to time and jumps in lanes. And But in year one, he got away with it, and, and it was a big asset to the team and a real big reason. And the other thing is – you and I have talked about this. Chuck Fletcher has mentioned that – you know, everything he was doing this offseason was in a in a goal to lower the goals against. And when you look at Cam Atkins, you go, well, he's a goal scorer. How's that? That's the part of the equation. The penalty kill is a big part of that equation uh, in the acquisition of uh, Cam Atkinson. Were you surprised by the deal, Bill? Because, it, you know, we talked Friday night. We were doing the draft show. And, you know, Chuck had mentioned, I'm, I'm done for the weekend or whatever. I'm going to focus on the draft, and all of a sudden this bombshell comes out just after noon on Saturday. Thanks, Chuck, for doing it, by the way, right at the beginning of my radio show, which was awesome. Um, but it's a one-for-one deal, no salary retained, and th- this seems like a-, a home run for Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, especially from the the salary cap management side. It's a little bit of a trade, Javier, because the Flyers are saving $2-plus million in cap. 2.375. Yeah, 2.375, and they are – but there's one extra year of term. You know, for player this, who's the same age as Warchek, just a couple months apart. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that was the trade-off there, is that uh, you're taking the extra year. So it didn't surprise me that there was nothing retained. You're not going to retain usually for three years anyway. Yeah, it's too long. You know, it, it, it's too long. So, you know, I, it was really two players who, who had a lot of success in one city. Um, they play the game They play the game differently. They're not, you know, they're certainly not the same player. Um, both both really well liked guys in the locker room, but just kind of they, they bring it they bring a different aspect, you know. It's uh, and and both teams need a, a bit of a shakeup. And I said Columbus is doing some rebuilding here, but they still, you know, they still want to compete. So, 
you know, I, I mean, I get the trade. And, and as you know, Jason, you know, some trades have a long gestation period and you hear about them for months and months and months and months. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and then this, this one was quick. Yeah. That happens sometimes too. Do you get the sense that this was this happened quick? There was focus maybe in a Tarasenko deal involving Jake Voracek, and apparently there's a little bit of frustration there that uh, you know with Army, you know, not willing to. It just wasn't it wasn't working out with the Flyers or other teams at least to this point with Tarasenko, and this one just came together quick. And it's like okay, this is a good deal. It, yeah. it kind of checks the same box. They're different players, Tarasenko and Cam Atkinson. Uh, but what what Atkinson brings that Tarasenko doesn't is obviously the elite penalty killing, and but he also uh, doesn't bring the same level of shooting and, and snipe. But still, it, this comes together quick and kind of one replaces the other in a lot of ways. Well, in, in some ways, I mean they'll they'll be in about the same spot in the lineup at five on five. Yep. And um, you know, Atkinson will step right into the leadership group. Uh, would not be surprised if. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's a guy who wears an A this season, potentially. I mean, they, they, they've kind of been doing three. Three guys wearing A's, sometimes home, some guys at home, some guys on the road. You know, I, I think Ellis will get one. So if, if Atkinson doesn't get one, he might rotate with one. And, of course, Couturier will have probably be a full-time alternate captain still. So I have yeah, no doubt of that, actually. Was Kevin Hayes wearing a letter um, part-time last year as well? Uh, yeah, they, 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 were, they, were, they did the home road thing. Yeah. So and Provorov was another, right? Provorov was another, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. well, you see how that plays out this year. I mean, you bring in some veterans, some guys that were wearing an A before may not be wearing them now. I mean, it's just the, the dynamic of the team is far different. So let's let's go right to this element, Bill, because I, I saw the, the interview that Chuck Fletcher did on NHL Network Radio. It's something he has reiterated uh, several times in his availabilities as well. It's something I'm going to ask him about later this week when we get him on Flyers Daily. And you know, you can say things as as a general manager in sports are unacceptable. Um, a lot of a lot of people say it, but what makes the words not hollow is action. And Chuck has shown, obviously, in the last week plus that what happened last season wasn't unacceptable by his actions. And he said this in the NHL Network interview, and I'm reading off your, your Hockey Buzz article because you were kind enough to transcribe it. He says, you know what, you just can't keep bringing back the same players year after year and expect different results. We had to make changes this year. The players we've added are all what I would call high-energy, competitive people. How often we have talked about our slow starts over the past two, three years since I've been here, and allegedly a lot longer than that. We need some juice. We need some energy. We need to change the mood in the room and the energy in the room. It's nothing against the players that we had here before. It's about trying to create a new group, a new leadership group, new chemistry. All these guys that we have acquired, besides being good hockey players, bring a lot of those qualities bring a lot of experience, bring a lot of professionalism to our roster. Bill, uh, all these guys that they acquired this past week, Rasmus Ristolainen, Ryan Ellis, Cam Atkinson, wore a letter on their jersey. Yep. It's no mistake they're here now. No, that's not a coincidence at all. And um, there just was not enough competitiveness for this team the last year. He used you know, the and, word malaise in one of his. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's a great word. For sure. I mean, how many games really, you know, throughout the season and it's not just this year i mean and chuck hit that on the head but how many games this year were you know it's a game where you figure sometimes even with the flyers or the rested team against a, a team that was playing the night before and you're down two nothing at the end of the first period or you're you know you have to chase the game in a night where you figured to be the team with more energy and the, the energy was nowhere to be seen until you were desperate and you're, you're playing from behind and you know it, it all the times, all the time we've asked coaches, AV, Hack, Lavi, you know, Chief. well, you know, how important is how important is a good start tonight? And then the coach always acknowledges how important that is. And yet, and they, the players acknowledge it, but yet they go out and, you know, the whether it's ten minutes, fifteen minutes, the whole first period, and it, it just, uh, it just there was no consistency to being able, being able to to go out and and play with energy and set a tone be be with the uh you know with the team that, that uh is proactive and not reactive and that just hasn't been the case yeah, they just didn't dictate the terms in the yeah. beginning of games yeah. first 10 minutes first period and then they get their back against the wall and they and, and then they you know wake up i mean I, I remember at one point you and i were talking and i had said you know can can we tell the team the game starts at six thirty yeah. and change their literally their whole routine yeah. to up it um but 
you know, you no matter how you do that, you know, the players are going to react the way they did, and, and that, that necessitated the change as well. I think the other thing that's interesting about how outward-facing Chuck's comments have been and how transparent he's been, it's, it's rare to get this kind of, uh, you know, critical analysis from a general, general manager publicly on several occasions now. And what, it, what I feel like it does, Bill, is this, and I want to get your thoughts on this, it you know even though there are some guys that were that are still here and there's new elements into the room and now that he has cited this publicly and I'm sure talked about it privately in end of season meetings with the players and coaching staff and everything what it does is the players that are still here it still serves notice in a big big way like we've changed some things and and but I've proven that this is unacceptable and if it continues I'm going to make more just because the summer's over doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to all of a sudden find something acceptable because I made changes and something's not changing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, <laughs> when, when you trade a player who's been with your club for 10 years and has been a good player, when you put uh, a player who's even coming off of a good year, I'm talking James Van Riemsdyk, and you put him and Voracek and, um, you know, well, Gossis Bear as well, but that's a little bit of a different situation. They're all open for the expansion draft. And that, I mean, that, that says something too. That's messaging. That, that is messaging to everybody in the room that they're, mm-hmm. you know, if there's not improvement this year, there are no, you know, there's no sacred cows. Yeah. And, and I find that part fascinating because, um, you know, there, you know, I listened to Elliot Friedman on the 31 thoughts podcast and I, I you know, you and I both believe free is very plugged in. He said, there were some players that weren't happy with the coaching staff and, and Chuck made it very clear that this is my coaching staff and, you know, when he talked about it at the trade deadline, that he was going to use that period of time to the end of the season to figure out who the right people were and who the wrong people were. And it's not to say that Ghost was the wrong person or Jake was the wrong person, but it was a chemistry situation and and a malaise that had come over after every other year being in the playoffs and, and making the changes he has. Uh, it's been fascinating. So Rasmus Ristolainen is a flyer. Uh, Ryan Ellis is a flyer. Cam Atkinson is a flyer. And who knows who's next? Uh, do you, you know, we know that let's get to the back of goalie in a minute, but let's park that part for a second. Yeah. Do you get the sense that Chuck is done? Or, I, I mean, I feel like there's a bottom six forward here that's going to happen still. And I feel like uh, maybe a depth D-man. Yeah. And right now there's there's a little bit of a numbers game. You know, people have asked me about what are my line combinations? And, you know, you go in and you actually – there's some guys it's hard to find to, to carve for their spot is and guys, you know, are going to, you know, as of now going to be, be a part of the team. You know, you're, you're basically at least one spot is going to be up for grabs. And, you know, does a guy like Oscar Lindblom start on the fourth line, for example. And I, I, I actually, I actually have a lot of confidence that Oscar is going to bounce back this year and be fine. Mm-hmm. If Oscar bounces back to me, he's, he's at least a top nine forward. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to be guys playing for jobs and spots and, you know, and that. So you may see some. You may see some further changes in there. Uh, it, potentially, there could be a big impact move. If not that, as long as the cap permits it, and I, I think for the, the cap to really permit it, you, you need to move out just a little more salary. And they're not. In, I mean, they're not in bad shape if all they're doing is getting getting a backup goaltender and re-signing their restricted free agents. They can do all that. And have have some cap space left over. I agree with you. They they would, if they can, like to, like to get a, a proven solid, top nine caliber guy. Even if you know, even if he ends up on, on the fourth line, um, I, I you know I, I think there's further changes that are coming, and and a potentially a third pair defenseman too. I don't think everybody is a hundred percent comfortable that Cam York is yeah. ready on day one to step in. For example, I agree. I almost think it's the right move to to have him start in lehigh valley and you know earn his way there through play through a bigger sample size rather than regret that yep. he's here too soon so i have I think moving know, backwards so is, is, a, is a risky proposition it, it is it is if you if you're up here and you struggle and you go back it's different than starting there and you have plenty of motivation to play well and come up yep. you know once once you once you're sent back down it's a whole you know it's a huge disappointment it's a big letdown for a player and it can it can be pretty tough. It can be pretty tough to work your way back up again. You know, it's yeah. uh, particularly when you're a young player and you've really never failed at any level. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. And, and 
you know, when you look at the unrestricted free agent market this year, there, there are some guys who, you know, we're, what are we counting on York for, right? Uh, if, if he makes the team and, you know, there certainly is that possibility. You want him third pairing and some power play time. So he'd be playing about 14 minutes a game, probably. Yeah, does uh, that benefit him? Yeah. And, 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 you know, so maybe you bring in a guy who's been around the league a long time and uh, on a one-year deal, you know, o- older guy, just, just on a one-year arrangement. And if he, you know, if he ends up sitting, if he ends up moved at some point because York is ready and he just grabs the job, well, it's not any kind of long-term commitment. So I, I think that that's a possibility too. Yeah, who do you look at? Is there any free agents in particular you look at in that regard? Do you well, look at Do you look at a Keith Yandel? Do you look uh, at you, you hit it on the head, Keith Yandel? And I mean, it's been a long time really since Goligoski has been a been a uh, you know a really a a power play regular point producing. I mean, early on in Dallas and Pittsburgh, he was he was that player. But you, if you want a stopgap third pairing guy who you know, for, for a year. I mean, that's more of a plan B called a y- Yandel is I think still the better player, but yeah, that, that kind of a name Yandel was specifically who I had circled. Um, you know, John Sequella, who's a, uh, an old friend and a friend of the show, uh, had, had asked us about who would you target for, you know, for uh, a third, third pair D and third line center and, and goalies. And I, I immediately went to Yandel as that, yeah. as that third pair D guy potentially. Uh, what about a guy like Nick Jomerson? Yeah, and, and that's uh, you know that's that's not you know that's not a power play guy. It's a yep. it's more of a just a solid defender, reliable, moves the puck pretty well. You know, it's uh, you're not going to have the the highs and the lows <laughs> necessarily, but yeah. yeah, I mean that that's a that's another way you could take it too. Just just a steady guy. Um, you know, he'll play 14, 15 minutes or, or whatever the case might be, and you know he won't hurt you, and you know you get your you get your top four back out there so that that's another way you could take it too yeah, and obviously yandel very close friends with uh kevin hayes and sure uh i mean not that that should be a determining factor obviously but and he just got bought out so a lot of times when guys get bought out they're not looking for the huge payday you know um so he could really fit them i mean the flyers cap situation right now bill um as we sit here without carter hart travis sandheim or sam moran signed is uh they're north of 12 million dollars in, in cap space right, right now uh, obviously, that's going to shrink down a bit, um, and we'll have a time to discuss, uh, you know, what those those contracts should look like for Travis Sanheim or Carter Hart and Sam Moran, who we believe is uh, really close to, to getting a deal done. Perhaps it'll be announced as, as quickly as Wednesday or even tomorrow. Who knows? He can sign now because he's their uh, their player. So um, let, let's talk about the backup goalie situation because uh, you and I have been texting offline quite a bit about this. I've been coming across a, quite a bit of information, and there's a lot of information out there. Uh, and I had Frank Saravalli on my show on Saturday, and, and he had mentioned without – it kind of brought it to me, and I didn't even have to ask about it. He said, I can't believe you haven't asked about it yet because, you know, me with goalies. Uh, but that, uh, you know, that a lot of the chatter around the Flyers is that they're going to vastly improve their goalie room uh, with a guy that can handle uh, considerably more games than Brian Elliott could. Chuck Fletcher has mentioned that he'd like the split to be around uh, 45-32. You know, or whatever the math is uh, on that uh, for this season, where Carter Hart doesn't have to play 55, 60 games. And, uh, you know, some of the names that we're hearing are, are guys like Braden Holpe, although I, I think they've reached out, and so far the Canucks have decided they do not want to retain any of the money, and that's going to be a non-starter unless they do. Um, but Jonathan Bernier, who was traded to Carolina, uh, I've heard through some some sources that he received a very low ball offer from Carolina, which shouldn't shock anyone because they're very frugal when it comes to paying goaltenders, hence why Nedeljkovic is now a Detroit Red Wing. And uh, he's a guy that fits. And it, it seems to me, Bill, that the Flyers have almost been chasing Jonathan Bernier for about eight years now. <laughs> it sure does. Every time. Every time catch me if you can yeah, of uh, yeah. goalies for the Flyers. Every time Bernier has been involved in you know, <laughs> trade rumors or signings or whatever, you know, the Flyers name has been coming up forever. So He's Frank so, Abagnale. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, Fit-wise, I mean, he was a guy, look, I know that I'm, I'm tough on the analytics community when it's convenient, but uh, fit-wise, I mean, he was top three goalie last year in adjusted save percentage, according to ClearSight Analytics. He's a guy that can play. He played really well 
all things considered for Detroit last year. Yeah, and then that's another tough, unfavorable environment. We've talked about Olmark Very. before, yeah. um, who I don't think Olmark would be happy with that kind of a split with, with Hart. I think he, he'd like a chance to, to be the number one guy. In a, in a running He's looking basis. for a six-by-six six deal. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that probably prices him out. But, um, you know, but it, it's similar kind of thing, right? If you're if you're in a losing environment, I mean, we saw it with Carter this year, right? Yep. It, it, you know, defense and goaltending go hand in hand. And if one is good or bad enough, it's either going to lift or sink the other with it. And then and then the other goes and everything gets pulled down with it. I mean, that, that was that vicious cycle this last year. Yeah, it really is. And I talk about environment when it comes to goaltending all the time. And we know Chuck mentioned it, too. I mean, just the, the kid was in a, such a hard situation with how everything unfolded with the, the lack of structure this past year. And the other guy that, that I heard something about was Loren Brassat, who mm-hmm. plays in Winnipeg, has been the backup for Connor Hellebuck. Um, he's he's kind of like the last of the blocking goalies in yes. a way. But um, it, it, he still has athleticism. He's a guy that uh, uh, his numbers are very good, and he had a real good year. Uh, he's a guy that I could see maybe being part of this conversation as well. At 28 years old, he could certainly carry it. Yeah, he, he's a little bit more under the radar than some mm-hmm. of the other guys. But if uh, you know, but if you are looking for, if you're looking for about a 30, 35 percent of the games, you know, and, and not more of a one A, one B, potentially, then. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that that's another. That's, I mean, there's so many different ways, so many different ways to go. I mean, there's the the, the Rontas, who are on there, you know, uh, the the Boston guys. Although, you know, I don't think Rask is an option just because of he's going to be out for you know the, the first half of the season. So that's not going to help you. You got yeah. Go he has said too. I'm playing for. He'll playing Boston. Yeah. Playing, yeah. 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 Although, how many years was Chara not going to go anywhere else until all of a sudden there wasn't a spot for? Yeah, he wasn't happy. Uh, uh, things change, but yeah, I mean, I, I would figure Rask when he eventually comes back, will we'll be. But Halak's the other guy, right? Yeah, yeah, Halak and Halak's the other guy. I mean, they, boy, has he been around forever? I mean, the Flyers played him in the uh, 2008 playoffs. <laughs> yeah, and 2010 and two, in two, the conference final. Too. Yep, yep. Uh, is I mean, Halak he still performs well in the role that he's in, but he is up there in years. I mean, how, what is he 37 at this point? He's, I believe so 36, 37. Yeah. yeah. And I just don't want to be a part of it when, it, when the, you know, when the house of cards falls, you never know which card it is, which year that's going to be. Yeah. It tends to fall rather quickly. So I don't know if that's a, a legitimate option or not. Uh, as far as Hopi goes, I mean, you look at his numbers, Bill, since he has uh, not been playing behind a Barry Trotz system with Mitch Korn as his goaltending instructor. Uh, he's dropped off considerably, and from some conversations that I'm ha- I've had with some people regarding uh, Hopi, he's really had a crisis of confidence out in Vancouver, where he's not the number one guy, and he's been playing behind Thatcher Demko. You, just, just if any, if you watched any Vancouver games this past year where Hopi Ooh, started, yeah. and it's you know he he played his numbers, and his numbers were awful. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure how much of an option he is. I may have to circle back on that. But uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. But like you said, um, you know, the the cap uh, situation uh, right now, they're in a good situation. Not in the best situation, but they're yeah. in, in a situation that is very manageable. Um, let's talk about the draft real quick. They didn't have the first round draft pick, so we our draft show turned into talking about the trades and everything else. Uh, but in the draft, they picked it up in the second round and. Uh, they made their selections in the second round. Uh, they picked up, uh, how do you say it, Samu Tumala? Tumala, yes. <laughs> Tumala. Uh, what did you think of the pick? Well, I mean, he, he's a guy who has first-round skills, one of the fastest skaters in the draft, great hands. He's not your typical Flyers pick because usually usually the Flyers tend to gravitate towards the, the two-way player, hockey sense guy. You know, that, that tends to be their comfort zone drafting and it has some upside but but reasonably high floor this is this is more of a and maybe it maybe it's also a, a product of here's draft you know i mean there were there were uh, predictions that that he could go anywhere in the early 20s to the late 20s so you, they, they got a first round caliber pick you know in the second round and this draft this draft board was all over the place yeah you know we, we gave the example of ratty when we did the uh 
you know, the, the draft show last Friday, and he came into this season uh, I, as in the conversation to go first overall. Yeah. And he goes mid-second round, ultimately. Crazy. You know, and so, you know, I, I think I think also uh, when a player when a player sometimes it's very emotional. And I, and I really think Tomala is young and immature, you know, physically and maybe a little bit emotionally, too. Um, you know, he's a guy who, if it's not going his way, will start banging his stick and, you know, maybe some, some body language. And if he's if he's on the bench in a close game, he, he looks very quite unhappy on the bench. You know, and it's just it's just things that some, some scouts consider a red flag. Is he is he a team guy? You know, but you know what? It, it tends it tends to work out over time. If anything, it's just because he he loves the play, and you know, so it, it's easier to calm a guy down than to than to rev uh, a guy up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I call yeah. it Pavel Ben Brendel syndrome, right? It's yeah. Uh, yeah. When when a player doesn't doesn't have that have that pulse and that energy and that drive. You really, you really can't inject it into him very well. So, you know, I, I, he'll calm down over time. The other, the other, really, I'm not that worried about that long term. You know, he's, he's clearly not a bad kid. It's just a question of said being being a little bit more mature with his emotions. Yeah. Um, but you know, the rest of it is just getting, getting a little stronger, getting a little better defensively. You know, and 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 being more of a more of an NHL ready player. He just got into the Finnish league this year. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, you know, I asked him when we talked to him afterwards uh, about Lassie Kukkonen because Kukkonen was a teammate. Well, one game this year, Kukkonen was retiring, and he he was an he's an icon of that franchise. You know, I'm sure Flyers fans remember Lassie when from sure. his time here, and he's a guy who was a captain of Team Finland and said he's he is one of the biggest iconic players for the Team Carpot in Finland. So he he came back to Carpot to play one final game and then retire. And that also happened to be uh, Tumal's uh, first game in the, the top league in the Finnish league. So, um, so the, the players know each other. And I actually asked Lasse for a scouting report. And it was he said that this kid has great hands. He can fly. Just, you know, has to get stronger and, and better defensively, which is the case with most, most young forwards. So, yeah. you know, will, will he click? Will he become a, a first line or second line NHL forward? He's got a shot. Could he miss? Certainly. And, and if he misses, will he have a role in an NHL team? Probably not because he, he's never going to be huge and he's never, he's probably never going to be your, your Selkie type. And those kind of players need to score with frequency if they're going to, they're going to play in the NHL. But if, you, if you're going to take a swing, right, you, you swing for a potential home run, I guess, in a draft like this. So yeah. there, there are other guys that I, I, I was personally looking at more than those, more of those two way higher, you know, higher floor kids in some cases, no problem at all with the pick. I mean, you know, tons of skill, tons of speed. Um, Kolosov, they take a goalie at number 78. Uh, Kolosov, a second-year eligible prospect. Um, he played for the Belarus national team, played against some KHL opponents last year as well. What did you think of the pick of Kolosov? I mean, to me, you can you always take a goalie, and this is about the time. The third, fourth round, you take a guy and you see how they develop. Yeah, and he's a little bit older. Um, he, he's a draft re-entry. He didn't get picked a year ago, so he's 19. So you've had a little longer time. To look at him um as you said he, he's now he's he's a khl goalie so he's moved up from the uh from the belarusian domestic league which is a very low level of play frankly to the khl which is one of the world's best leagues and he certainly held his own and as a matter of fact this year he was, became the second youngest goalie in khl history to record a shutout at 19. so you know yeah very athletic uh very good feet and the, the biggest benefit to me um, to, to drafting a KHL goalie is that, or really any KHL player, is that you're under no timetable to sign them. You know, you, you draft a kid out of uh, major junior in Canada, you have two years. Yeah. You draft him out of Sweden, you have four years. Here, you know, here if it's five years or, or whatever till he, he looks ready, you can do that. And, you don't, and you're he's not, got a place to play at that time, too. Exactly. Exactly. And he'll, you know, he, he's on, he's on a good development path, long way from the NHL, a lot, lot of things to work on, but you know, but that this, this is the spot to take a player like that. Yeah. And let me look at the guys coming over. Look at guys like Sorokin, look at a guy like Shesterkin. Yep. They're all coming over 24 for 25 years old. Yeah. They're rookies in the NHL, but they're not kids. 
I think that's the big thing to, to remember as well. Uh, any of the, the other picks kind of jump out at you, Bill? Any, anybody that you go, oh, that, that was tremendous value for where they got them? Well, they, they took three defensemen mm-hmm. um, in the draft. Zanetti, uh, Murchison, and uh, Samson. Correct. And all, all of them have good feet. Um, you know, they, they, they move the puck pretty well. There's upside in all of them. They're you know, very, all very raw, which is to be expected. Um, you know, so that, I mean, those are, those are, those are guys you're going to watch over time. None of none of those guys are, are going to be, you know, uh, none of those guys are going to be, I actually, I don't think any picks this year, you know, typically the flyers have signed their first and or second round picks to, to entry level deals pretty quickly, you know, like a year ago with, with Forster and then wisdom, they were both signed ahead of, uh, you know, ahead of their seasons. Um, you're not going to see that this year. And I don't think, uh, I don't think most of these players are even going to be signed a year post draft. It's going to take that second year of evaluation until they make decisions. And then after that, they're probably going to all, all need a year or whatever of American hockey league time. So no one is going to step in imminently and contribute. You know, that's why this was not an especially great draft year in terms of, you know, I, at a certain point, every draft levels off. Right. And uh, you're, you're, taking players for particular tools or particular well-established skills. And they have, uh, in this case, they went for tools and they have, you know, all, all these kids have tools. They're all raw. They're all going to need time. Um, you know, the, uh, so I, I think that it's really, you, you can't judge a draft for a good five years. Um, you know, if you get a couple of players out of it, if you get two, you've done pretty well. Yeah. Well, and, and obviously with this draft too, there's there's a lot more variables <laughs> with, I mean, just look how the first round went. I mean, it, it was certainly different and uh, we're hoping everybody gets back to normal. We'll see the OHL full-time this year and the drafts get back to normal as well. Uh, Bill, let's get to some uh, Ask Billy questions on Twitter. We've got a bunch of good ones and obviously the people have a lot of questions. Free agency opens up just in a couple of days and... Who knows uh, how active the Flyers will be there. Um, a lot of people didn't predict Chuck Fletcher to be this active and, and accomplish what he has already. Uh, but let's start with uh, Steve Hassis's question. He says, who are reasonable 4C guys you hear they are after? Stahl, Benino, Pierre-Edouard Belmar coming back, Glenn Denning. Uh, are they after a 4C, Bill? Are they after a 3C? Where does Morgan Frost fit in the equation? Right. Well, Morgan is an, is an X factor right now. Um, Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if Morgan is going to play, he's not a fourth line center. You know, you're you're wasting you're wasting Frost if he's in the fourth line. That's not his. Does skill nothing set. for his development. Yeah, uh, he's got to play in your top nine. And right now, I mean, the Flyers are a little bit jam packed at wings. So right now, you're probably not going to move him back to a wing either. So you know, I, the problem the problem is if you go sign that three C guy right now, you're boxing him out. And you know. I'd like to at least I'd like to at least see where he's at in camp, and the preseason. Um, you know, Scott Lawton is certainly a, an option for uh, third line center. He can also play wing. You have that you have that flexibility there. Um, you know, uh, I like what I saw of Tanner Lazinski mm-hmm. last season. And in, in I mean, he was a scorer in the American League, and he came up to the Flyers, and he was playing a, a fourth line, defensively responsible kind of a role. I think he's an NHL player right now. I really do. So, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with Lazinski on the team. Um, Frost, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where he's at, you know, and, uh, and Lawton, you know, Lawton would be your, your three C if, if Frost isn't ready, but there are quality players out there. I mean, if you go and, you know, the, you know, Casey Sezikis, for example, right. Yeah. Um, really, I mean, he's one of the best fourth line centers in the league. Do I want him as my three C? That's maybe a, it's maybe a line too high for him. Although he can, you know, he can do more than just be your your old school fourth line center. But I, I think maybe you know, I think maybe he's a, a line too high there. Um, and I mean, honestly, honestly, if it ends up with Scott Lawton as your fourth line center, then you've got an outstanding fourth line center. So I, you know, I uh, Benino I really like too potentially because he's another two way player. Uh, the drawback there is. He's coming off down a you know off a pretty good year, um, an underrated season. He's always been a kind of an underrated player in, in my estimation, anyway. Um, but he's on a team that I think needs more speed. Benino's a guy who's uh, 
at a skating deficit. He's just a smart player. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how he would especially fit in the mix, except to add another two-way guy. Um, you and I have talked about uh, Philippe Deneau, but I think he's out of the price range. Yeah. You know? Unless they were um, able to shed a little bit more money in some way. Yeah. And, and, and if they can do that, then all of a sudden something like that is in play. You know? And, um, you know, there are, there are other names, too, like David Krejci's out there this year. He certainly had an outstanding career in Boston, hurt the Flyers plenty over the years. Is he, you know, would he would he come in and be a three C or maybe, you know, interchangeable with with uh, with Hayes as who's two and who's three, depending on who's playing well at a given time? Maybe, but he's he's still not a he's still not a, a bargain option. You know, I I think that uh, you know I, I think that the available cap space right now. Particularly, particularly because I don't think the Flyers should skimp on the goaltending partner for Hart. It's too important, too many games, you know. And you have you have potential options at, at the third line center. So, you know, is it a is it a little bit of a question mark? Yes, but you do have you do have some guys who could potentially step up. So, I'm not sure that they go out and, and get a guy. Is the, the short answer to you know the short answer after using a lot of words to say that? Okay. Um, I, I agree with you as well. I, I think it's time to, you know, Esther get off the pot, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, let me ask you this one. Um, we got so many great questions that came in. Uh, it, with Fletcher mentioning the backup getting 35 to 40 games, do you think the need to, to, to upgrade the backup goalie position? And, and Mark tweeted in and he said, Grubauer or Olmark or some other solid choice, not just fill the hole. We kind of addressed it already. Yeah. and. You know who we think it's going to be, but Grubauer to me He's, is not a guy that's no. looking for that role. He's looking to cash in if he doesn't resign in Colorado. Allmark's looking to cash in as well. Uh, does a guy like Morazic or or Reimer kind of fit the bill? Maybe Reimer. Uh, yeah, Morazic does <laughs> not. I, I, I have to be truthful. I, I saw all I wanted to see out of Morazic the first time he was here. Yeah. Um, you know, Although he's what been are, good in Carolina when he's been healthy, but and, he and hasn't he was, been healthy he was, a whole lot. Yeah, and, and he was good periodically in Detroit too. Yep. What What did it say that when he was here, that the Flyers opted to play two injured goalies because there was no trust in him? I mean, yeah. and, and he hasn't been good in big game situations at all in Carolina. That's that's been their bugaboo in Carolina. They haven't had the goaltending. The other pieces have been there. Uh, I'd steer clear of Morozik. It was my decision to make, but you know. Yeah, I could see Reimer still. I could. Yeah, I could see. I can see. And him. real good team guy as well. Jeff Kirsch tweets in, Bill, with an Ask Billy question. He says, hey, guys, given Chuck Fletcher's comments about the locker room last year, which we discussed earlier, how much of an indictment is that of Giroux and Hayes since Hayes was such a positive influence in year one? Uh, also, what's your degree of confidence that Ristolainen will be significantly better on a decent team? So let's start with the, the indictment part of Giroux and Hayes. Uh, but how much how much do you think that was an indictment on Drew and Hayes? Um, to me, both of those players were protected and with no move clauses, but I, I don't no. think that it was an indictment on either of them, to be honest. Yeah, with you. yeah, especially Giroux. Well, let's 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 go you know let's go right into that, and then we'll move to the other players. Did you ever hear any inkling, any rumor, anything from Frege, anything from Valley, anything from uh, LeBron, anything about the Flyers even thinking about asking? Jury to wave is no trade for the expansion drum and knowing they needed cap space. Yep. Right. Not, not, not once, not intimated at nothing, nothing. And when, when Chuck was, and asked that's a sexy about, story for them to break by the oh, way. Oh, for sure. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a guy who's been a hundred point scorer in the league. He's an iconic Based player franchise. franchise. I mean, absolutely. If, if there was even a whisper of it, it would, it would have been out there. Um, when Chuck was asked about Drew having a year left on his contract, what was his answer? He'll his, be here as long as he wants to be here. That he will be here as long as he wants to be here. Yep. That was, you know, so that made very clear that, you know, <laughs> that the flyer, the Flyers considered him to be a part of the team immediately and, and going forward. Yeah. If they were that unhappy with him, if they, you know, if they felt that he was, he was part of the, part of the problem significantly, even though he has the C and, and all that, those would those all those things would have been out there at least as possibilities even if they yeah. didn't even if they didn't shake out that way and when chuck talked about the leadership group and he was talking about you know when he talked about the the impact that niskanen had he was talking about how much how much he helped out claude as captain 
you know, how much, how much he helped out Katori and all kinds of defensemen too. But, but he mentioned helping out Claude as captain was part of a part of the group of Giroux still on top of it. So I don't think it's an indictment of Giroux whatsoever. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, Kevin Hayes, he played injured this year. I don't know how much of that affected him or if he was never properly in shape heading into this season, as has been speculated. I, I don't know. They know that. Right. Uh, but what I do know, and, and, and I'm just going to let's rip the Band-Aid off here because, you know, people say, oh, well, Drew's been the captain while this team has underachieved over a decade. And look, the, the has the team underachieved? I don't know. That That's a, that's a whole episode on, on its own because we've got to look at each roster and say, did they actually underachieve? Did they overachieve in some of those years? Did they underachieve in some? You really got to quantify it. Uh, but what you just talked about, and he's a big name that if there was those dissension with his leadership, we would hear about it either from players, coaches, or anything. And the fact of the matter is, is we've never heard that. We've never heard a former player come out and question his leadership. And these are he doesn't get along with everybody. To, to those degrees, right? So we would hear about those things. We have not heard about those things. Let, let's get to the second part of his question, though. What's your degree of confidence that Rasmus Ristolainen will be significantly better on a decent team? I, I have a pretty high degree of confidence that well, he may not be spectacular, but he's going to be in a much better situation, a much better environment, and a much better role that serves him much better here than he did in Buffalo. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Buffalo... Buffalo is a graveyard for players, and for, for lack of a better term. And what is the mark of a bad organization? Or what, what, when they have a player who they draft eighth overall, all the physical tools in the world, and I understand how thin their roster and how needy they were, but if, but if you want this player to develop properly, what do you not do? You don't stick them in your top pairing against the, the Crosbys and the Bergerons of the league as a teenager, right? You, you, don't, you don't stick them in the defensive zone uh, starting what 55 to some year 60 percent of his shifts in the yeah. d zone you're setting him up to fail it, uh, look at uh look at Darlene's struggles so far you know and he looked like a deer in the headlights this year because they, they're doing the same thing with him they're yeah. playing him 20 something minutes a night now more offensive zone starts because he's more of an offensive purely offensive defenseman but you know that that's just not how that's just not how you bring a player along properly. And I don't care how talented what their tools are, they're still young players, you know, and they're still going to press when things aren't going well. They're going to take too much on their too much on their backs. Um, and, and not even his strongest critic would say that uh, Ristolainen is the guy who doesn't care. And you know, I mean, he, he anything you know, in anything, he's a guy who, you know, with uh, he has some intensity to him, right? That's one of the things, one of the reasons he, he was brought in. Um, but let's 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 assume it's a not a disastrous scenario, but a but a, a not great scenario from the analytics side. Okay. Now I think I think playing with uh, Travis Sandheim will help his analytics because one thing that Sandheim does very well is he prolongs possessions up ice, pinches in, you know, uh, gets the puck down the off because he's carrying it around behind the net, and if somebody's covering up high, um, really Ristolainen can do a little bit of that too, particularly if he has. Uh, Sandheim on the other side, you know, if the puck comes to his side, he, he could do it. Um, so I, th I think his, I think his analytics will be a at least a little bit better, but let, let's suppose, let's suppose they're mediocre and not, not the best side. What do you, what do you have in the player? You have a, a guy who is six foot four, two twenty, who can skate on top of, you know, on, on top of being big. He's the third leading hitter among defensemen, not just last year, but over the last five years. So you have one of the most physical D in the league. And if it does work out that he gets power play time, he had, four, he had 40 points, four straight years. And, and I know people online, oh, this guy's not even an NHL player. Oh, really? Really? You, you tell me a guy who's third in hits and can get you 40 points a year on, on D who's not an NHL defenseman. That player does not exist. Yeah. So he's a guy with bad analytics who does well, other well, things. Well, people well. want to say, though, and I got this on Saturday, well, he played on the power play. That's why he was a 40-point player. That's why he's not Andrew McDonald. And I'd say, okay, so now we're going to penalize the guy for playing on the power play. Right. I mean, how stupid is that? It's, it, it is stupid. I mean, and, and what's Ristolain, what's Darlene been so far? A 40-point guy. What is, yeah. What's Provorov been a 40-point guy? You he's know, got I mean, more the, points over the last five years than yeah. Provorov, than 
Right. Every Flyers defenseman. Right. He, he's he's a capable. He's not great offensive More defenseman. Ghost. Yeah. He's he's not elite. He's not Paul Coffey. He's not Chris Chelios. But he's he's a good offensive player. If you yeah. you know in that role, he can get you points. He has a heavy shot. And that's just it's just stupid to say, oh well, he gets forty points because he plays in the power play. Well, first of all, as we saw, and he wasn't a defenseman, but as we saw this last year with a guy who was who was part of that Ryan Ellis trade, simply giving a guy power play time is not going to absolutely increase his point totals. I think, you know, it, it, all, it all depends on the player and, and what uh, and what he does with the time. So yeah. that, that's that I'll get off the soapbox. Yeah, I, I mean, I, look, I went on the soapbox hard on Saturday, and, you know, people say, oh, well, you're a Neanderthal dinosaur thinker. The game's not about bringing fear. I, look, I, I'll read it again. I read it on my radio show. I'll read it again. I'm not going to credit the person it came from because they asked me not to. Uh, but I can give you the quote, the exact quote of what was said to me. And, look, this this is a, a very good player that's played in this league a long time and a skilled player. And I was talking to this person about analytics, and um, he said, hockey is a simple game till you over-evaluate it. There's no analytics for fear when you're on the ice because when you have all the skills in the world, they can easily be taken away with fear. Tough teams have more room to make plays. Make sense? Don't quote me on this. Ha ha. So I gave you the full quote. <laughs> all right. And, 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 and it was just this past season. You know, I sent a text to one of the Flyers players, and, and he said, you know, he said candidly, boy, I would hate to play this guy in a playoff series because he just beats the hell out of you. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, and it, that's not just not just one or two players' opinions. If you if you ask around, that is the opinion. That's that is why seven teams ended up first round, you know, first round pick offers and a weak draft year, mind you, too. And I'm sure that also figured into Chuck Fletcher's thinking, to an extent. But I mean, you know, it's that disconnect between scouts and analytics um, where, you know, how, how do you strike the balance in there? All I can tell you is that scouts, hockey people, general managers, players, active and retired, both 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 really like Ristolainen for the, the elements that, that we were just talking about that he brings. Yeah. So and you, and, you and I were both standing there when we heard from someone, too. Yes. There were seven first-round picks offered for this player in combination with their package. The reason the Flyers got it was simple. Their first-round pick was 13. It was higher than the other seven. Yeah. Or six, I'm not sure. Which which means it was contending teams, playoff teams. They Mm -hmm. they were offering up their first-round picks. And, uh, you know, I mean, everybody wants that kind of player for – a playoff series. And he's been not, he's never been in the playoff series. So we don't know how he would play in a series, but that, you know, that, that is, that's what's at a premium right now. The big defensemen who can skate um, are just, are, are worth, you know, are worth a lot on the trade market. And yeah. I mean, and it keeps players in leagues too. I mean, Braden Coburn was on the downside of his career for a number of years um, not after he immediately left Philadelphia for Tampa Bay, but over the latter part of his career in Tampa. Well, why was he in the league so long and really good teams? Big guy who can skate. Yep. It's it's like it, you can teach a lot of things, but you can't teach size and, and size that can move like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's one of those things. It's tried and true. And in today's game, it means just, you know, maybe more than ever. To have that size on the back end that can move up and down the ice, I think is it's incredibly important. I'm trying to find this. A guy tweeted me the numbers of Rasmus versus line, and he did a screenshot yesterday when I was doing my radio show. And I'm just trying to find it here because I think it's important to, to kind of bring it out. You know, I think he's got 93 points over the the year that or the years that he he did this exercise and compared it to Flyers defensemen over the same period of time. So I'll see if I can dig that up. But uh, I thought it was fascinating where his numbers were. And again. Look, deployment is a big part of the equation, and how he'll be deployed here in Philadelphia, it should be far different than how he was deployed in in Buffalo. And I, I don't think you can wash stink off you, or you can't, you know, while you're in that situation that he was in in Buffalo, it, it's it's a hard situation on players. Losing wears you down to a nub. It just Absolutely. does. And it, it does. And and uh, I mean. So- Ryan Ellis is so important to this equation. And incidentally, the one thing that Ellis doesn't have is size. So, yeah. you know, Ristolainen helps build up, you know, helps balance off some of that. But they, they have a, a 
you know, they're small on the, the right side and the top pair. But what Ellis does do is he does so much heavy lifting for the team. He'll play tough matchups on D. He'll be at the top of the PK rotation. And yeah, I mean, it, it's not like you're talking, it's going to be a cakewalk for, for Sanheim and uh, Ristolainen, assuming they're a pair. And I think that's likely, but it's, it's a whole different thing when you're slotting in behind. And, and also, you know, let's also not forget that uh, as, as a third pair right side guy, Justin Braun's still pretty good. I, I thought he, I thought he actually had a pretty darn good season under awful circumstances for the team this year. He was, he was very reliable. And I thought he ran out of gas a little bit towards the end, yeah. but, but if you need, if you need him to, he could slot back up a pair for a few games if you need that. Um, Bill, somebody asked the question. I'm trying to find it, uh, but I'll just use her question because I can't find it. Uh, are the Flyers different enough? How, how much better are they on paper? Again, we understand, you know, yeah. nothing. It's all on paper right now. Right. We can't go by anything else. It'll ultimately be decided on the ice if they are a better team, how it comes together, how these players fit, how they gel, all that stuff. Right. But how much better are they? as compared to the team that ended the season in horrible fashion? Uh, I think I think on paper, the right side of the blue line has gone from a weakness to a strength. That's a direct quote, actually, from a, an NHL pro scout who does not work for the Flyers. It went from a weakness to a strength. I, I think it, it immediately benefits Carter Glaring Hart. weakness, by the way. Yeah, well, well for sure. For sure. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a huge problem. Once Niskanen was gone, it, it was exposed, and Myers wasn't ready to handle it. So – I mean, the Flyers are much better in that regard. Um, you've had you added two guys uh, who who block a lot of shots. The Flyers really did not really not good in not good in the shot blocking department. And uh, I know shot blocking can be a you know be a double edged sword, <laughs> but it, it sure as hell beats uh, it sure as hell beats the alternative of uh, of pucks go, going through the box or going you know I mean it's not because blocking they also block passes too. Yeah. You know, they get the stick in the lane. You know, I mean, there's going to be – there'll be fewer of those. There'll be fewer of those those mid-range shots, even getting the heart. So that that helps, too. That helps the goalie. Um, with uh, with Ellis in particular, there's a lot of predictability in the way that he plays. Sometimes wrist alignment will run around a little bit. That, that's so that's sometimes the, the, mixed, <laughs> the mixed blessing of physical defensemen is sometimes they will get themselves out of position. And, you know, I, I don't think wrist alignment is going to be immune to that, truthfully. I don't. I mean, that it's not going to be a night and day difference in that area, probably. But I, I think that uh, I think already the goals against average is going down. We talked about how Atkinson plays a role in that too, and I think the PK is better. I think that's uh, that's a big part. That's a big part of what was ailing the team last year, and they could still improve further in that. By the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, to me, the physicality part of it that's here now. I mean, Oscar Lindblom dropped the gloves last year. Yes, he did. Um, and that was to me that that was flashing neon sign <laughs> that that they needed that element and they needed it in a way that's going to be extremely important and I think that that's going to play a, a role in this as well and uh, how it all plays out is going to be fascinating this has been a fascinating episode uh, Bill lots to get to this week uh, we'll see what free agency brings us right <laughs> it's <laughs> it's only just beginning um you know, a lot of NHL GMs, they were uh, they, they took a day or two off, and then uh, it's back to work again. And uh, I mean, tomorrow was... could be like t- today. Technically, we're taping this on Sunday yes. evening, but today today could be fascinating again. <laughs> today absolutely could be fascinating again. And you know, I, I thought it was interesting just just before we, we wrap here uh, when they had Breezeball on uh, on NHL Network. He said, "Listen, we got cap problems." We're two-time defending champions. We got cap problems, so we need to give some of our young players a chance. There's a lot of good players in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, yes, when you talk about is. the trade market, so you know you can uh, you can probably even get them to retain a little bit on some quality players. Uh, if I were Chuck, I would be on the phone with Breezeball to, to see, hey, you know, what, what can we do here? It's funny that he did that on, on NHL Network. That that's throwing up. That's the equivalent of an NHL GM throwing up a flare. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's what like, it is. Precisely. Like I got problems down here. Somebody's got a call. Yeah. <laughs> we'll retain. What I got to do something here <laughs> because uh, it's going to be tough. It's it, you're right. It's flat cap world. That's why what happened this past week with the Flyers has been all the more fascinating. They've been one of the more fascinating teams in the league once again. And um, you know, Chuck Fletcher has really kind of 
you know, a lot of people were very skeptical that he was capable of doing what he's done so far this offseason. And he's proved a lot of people wrong. And I see a lot of Flyer fans are happy and excited about October 15th. That's only 80 days away when they're going to start this season. It is not far. Before we know it, before we know it'll be rookie camp. I mean, really, you're going to blink your eyes and they'll yeah. be on the ice. I mean, that's, that's a good thing, right? That, that is a great thing. And like I said, the, the season is now just 80 days away. It's not far off. And uh, we'll be seeing a number 89 in Cam Atkinson, a number 94 in Ryan Ellis. I'm not sure what number Risto is wearing it. Do you know? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. See. I don't know yet. Well, that's been one of the, that's now that's we're on number watch at this point. All right, Bill, thanks for doing this. Ask Billy another successful episode. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Wednesday's episode when free agency period begins right here on Flyers Daily. Have a great week.